More Than a Movie is back with season two. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's Rappaport's Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. Stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. Welcome to today's edition of the Clay Travis and Buck Sexton Show podcast. Friday edition of Clay and Buck kicks off right now, everybody. Appreciate you being with us. Much to discuss. Trump v. Haley in South Carolina tomorrow. So, a showdown in the low country down in South Carolina. It's going to be interesting to see what the final tally is. I don't think anyone is really particularly questioning what the outcome will be at this stage, unless all of a sudden polls could be off by 30 points or so. But we'll see what those numbers are. We'll break that all down for you on Monday. Uh, one thing, you know, I, I've just said this, and, and the uh, residents of South Carolina who do us the honor of listening into this show tend to note that I, I speak with a particular fondness of that state Every time I'm there, I think to myself, I could live here. I like this place. I love this place. I love these people. Like, I'm very big South Carolina booster. I didn't realize, Clay, until some of the analysis about the election tomorrow, that uh 10% of South Carolina voters weren't even there in the last election cycle. South Carolina has boomed 372,000 new residents old enough to vote since... 20, I'm sorry, since 2016, that's the number. So we're going back uh, a little longer than one election cycle. But since 2016, a 10% increase in eight years. Uh, and it's the single biggest state. It beat out my beloved Florida and my beloved Texas to be the fastest-growing state in the country last year. Did, did you know that? I didn't know it was number one. I read it, actually. I think it was a Times article talking about how many people are not familiar with Nikki Haley because they weren't there when she was governor. Uh, and obviously, South Carolina's population is not huge, so it doesn't take a monster influx to be a percentage swing. But here's what I would say that you're hitting on, that I am – leave aside, obviously, we want Trump to beat Biden, assuming that's the race. But when you get into the nitty-gritty of the actual election results, Buck, I am super interested to see what the COVID impact has been from 2020 to 2024, because let me explain what I mean. Where I live in Tennessee, we have seen 
tons of people come in. I know where you are in Florida, tons of people have relocated. Uh, Texas, where we have a monster audience, I think we're number one in Austin, thanks, Houston and San Antonio, or at least we have been in different months. So we appreciate, we're not on in Dallas, by the way. So if you own a Dallas radio station and you want to dominate, you should put this show on, just FYI. But, um, the, uh, but when you look at those numbers, one of the biggest fears of people who love the states that they live in, the red states that they live in, has been that the influx of new voters is going to change the overall cultural, culture and character of those states. And that basically blue state voters are going to bring blue state politics. I actually believe that it's going to make red redder. And I think you're going to start to see some of those results in 2024 for how the internal migration in the United States, particularly associated to COVID, but also remote working, has altered the dynamics of state-by-state results. Um, I think we're going to see. We kind of got a hint on that. That's already happened in Florida. Yeah, Florida, in 22, 22 with, with, Ron with Ron DeSantis', DeSantis 20-point win. I mean, there's no question the data shows Florida is a lot redder than it was, and part of that is the migration. Part of it is just good governance from Ron DeSantis within the state, but uh, they switched party affiliation in Florida from before COVID until uh present day from a deficit of plus 250,000 Democrats uh, over Republicans to a half a million Republican registered voter advantage and counting it might even be a little higher than that yeah i think it's it's 750,000 swing from what the democrats had as as an advantage so it's happened what you're talking about in florida it's that's you know done deal it's a question of how far they run the scoreboard up uh texas uh has gotten the same thing although unfortunately i love we love austin but a lot of california libs for uh, business and corporate reasons, had moved into Austin over the years, have making it you know very blue. But I think statewide, Texas has been the recipient of more uh, Republican voters, and certainly South South Carolina was already deep red, so that doesn't really feel like it's going to change all that much. But it might become, in terms of uh, the census and uh, and the, I mean, look, it already is the numbers when you're talking about increasing your population by ten percent. Uh, yeah. That has a real effect in terms of congressional seats and. So anyway, South Carolina has done a great job. If they, um, I've said this, I told Governor McMaster this when I saw him a while back. I said, sir, I love your state. If you guys didn't have a 6% income tax, you'd be cleaning the clocks of a lot of these other, but it's just, you know, Tennessee's a real nice place too, and 0% state income taxes. You know, plus you get all that country music. It's very compelling. I I said, and I will continue to reiterate it, 20 years from now, remember the analogy I think I made, um, I went out, I bet you've been there, it's Condado, I believe, right? Or is it Coronado? I get them both mixed up. One of them is Coronado in, in San Diego? Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's Condado, which is down in, in San Juan, which is a beautiful area of Puerto Rico. Coronado, which is in uh, San Diego. Anybody who's ever been out there, it's one of the most beautiful places in the United States. Just absolutely exquisite. And there are lots of middle-class houses, which now cost millions of dollars, that were built in the 40s, 50s, and 60s, when you could move to San Diego, be a teacher, be a firefighter, and live that lifestyle on that exquisitely beautiful place at a normal person's salary. Uh, and a lot of people, I always think this is one of the most fascinating debates you can have, Buck. 50 years from now, is there a place in the United States where you'll look around and say, boy, I wish I had moved my family to this place. It would have been incredible. The cost of living was still somewhat affordable. It was way better. I'm telling you that many parts of Texas, Tennessee, and Florida, over the no state income tax, 20 years from now, 40 years from now, 
you're going to be kicking yourself if you're struggling in the Chicago suburbs or you are in New York City on Long Island or anywhere in the city and you're fighting to try to make it with your family anywhere in the California area and you're getting increasingly frustrated by blue state and blue city combination governance, you're going to kick yourself you didn't move 20 years ago. So I, don't know, I think that I think a lot of that is, is going to play out for sure. Um, eventually, I'm just going to have to move back to New York in 15 years and run for mayor and clean it up. That's how my novel, the Buck Sexton story, is going to go. Um, but in the meantime, New York's got to learn some painful lessons. Now, back to South Carolina. You're going to be Haley. a new Rudy, except uh, hopefully, uh, hopefully not have the same ending. <laughs> so <laughs> anyway. I don't want you bank, I don't want you bankrupted in uh, in courts all over the country to have the end of your story. But yes, you need to Rudy. There needs to be a new Rudy in New York City. There needs to be a new sheriff in town, so to speak. Uh, speaking of law enforcement, um, we're going to do this one at the bottom. I just want there is some breaking news on the Fonnie Willis situation out of Atlanta. That we are going to want to talk about. Clay is so fired. Clay is oh, ready I love to this story. run I love this story. the Trump legal team on this one. I, I think if we could get Clay to cross-examine Fani on the stand himself, he would do it in a heartbeat. Uh, oh, because I would. she's Yeah, because she's she's in. That uh, would be must-see television, by the way, Buck. Oh, yeah. If you got me on the on the cross X there of of these guys, I think that would be a lot of fun. Her initial testimony was some of the most engaging, entertaining. Reality TV I have seen yes. in a very long it was, time. It was I impossible think. to look away. So we're gonna, we're gonna dive into that at the bottom. I, I think we'll, we'll talk a little more here. Um, and stay on the South Carolina, uh, GOP primary. Just look at some of these dynamics. I think everyone understands Trump is gonna win, but what does it mean for the party? How long does Nikki Haley stay in? What are the numbers? And what does it say about South Carolina as we've been discussing the migration that's been going on from some of these blue states? Um, I want to take calls from our uh, some South Carolina listeners, you have a particular opinion on this one, uh, 800-282-2882. Nikki Haley, Clay, this is cut 11. Nikki Haley is saying straight up, if you guys elect Trump, she, she's kind of standing up and saying that she's standing athwart MAGA. Yeah. She's saying if you guys elect Trump, he's not going to win again. This is cut 11. Listen to it. If you want a change in our country, which I think the entire country wants a change, we won't get a change if we don't win an election. Donald Trump will not win the general election. You can you can have him win any primary you want. He will not win a general election. We will have a female president of the United States. It will either be me or it will be Kamala Harris. But if Donald Trump is the nominee, you can mark my words, he will not win a general election. And what I say to everybody is don't complain about what happens in a general election if you don't really think about that in this primary. It is literally impossible that we will win an election if Donald Trump is the nominee. Okay, hold, hold, so let's, let's, there, can we, I want to pull out one little thread on this because I know you want to yeah. dive into the much bigger thing. I agree with her that it's going to be a, like, if it's a Democrat, it's going to eventually be President Harris, just to be clear. I do not think Joe Biden can finish out four years, nor does he want to, but I do think he wants to run and then hand over to Kamala. So I, I agree with her analysis on that bit of it or that sort of piece of the overall, but the rest of the pie, uh, so to speak, Clay, she's, She's throwing the kitchen sink at Trump and Ma- and MAGA world and the whole thing. I think she's ending her political career. And 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 I don't say that lightly. She's 52 years old. If the only way she maintains her political career now, based on everything that she has said, is if Trump loses. Because then she can go and run in 28 and wag her finger and say, see, I told you Trump was going to lose. 
you should have picked me, we would have won, now you get a chance to pick me, and I'll win, right? She's painted herself into a corner where she has to have something bad happen to the Republican Party in order for her to win. And I don't think that's ever a position that you want to be in as a politician. And frankly, there are a lot of you out there listening right now who remember what Nikki Haley said, saying right now, you heard John Kasich say it. You heard Jeb Bush say it. You heard Ted Cruz say it. You heard uh, everyone who ran, again, Marco Rubio, you heard everyone who ran against Trump in 2016 tell you that if Trump was the nominee, there was no way he was going to win, and then he won. So I don't think this works in 2024 as an argument, but worse than that, Buck, I just, again, I don't know who is able to reach Nikki Haley because you have to be in a bubble of uh, optimism and your campaign bubble often is filtered from what the real world is because they're telling you things they think you need to hear as opposed to the reality. Somebody needs to get to Nikki Haley uh, inside of her bubble and say, you are destroying your entire viability as a presidential candidate and as a political leader in the Republican Party with the way that you are running your campaign right now. Now, I, I hate to even say this out loud, but what if Trump loses? That's then the only she, play. That's the only play she has. That, then, then, but then, what I'm saying is, I, I, I bring it up. Yeah, right, yeah. I bring it up but because she realizes she's not going to win this primary, and the only way she would be the nominee in 28 would be if effectively she is there to, you know, kick uh, MAGA and the movement uh, in the behind and slam the door behind them if they lose this year. You know what I mean? I, yeah, I think she's no, positioning herself. I mean, I think herself. that's where she's painted herself into a corner. And by the way, Buck, I the people who are voting for Trump are going to be voting in 28 again. And if Trump loses, do you think they're going to want to vote for somebody who says, ha, ha, see, I told you so? Or do you think they're going to respond to somebody like Ron DeSantis or Vivek Ramaswamy who ran against Trump and lost but in, but also endorsed him and said, hey, I'm going to be a good soldier now. I just, yes, the only viability she has is if Trump loses, which means she's effectively rooting against the Republican Party now in order to maintain her electoral viability going forward, which is a very bad place to be. But also, it it, it is, I'm not sure that it even would put her at the forefront in 28. To me, you raised a question, and it's one I can't get past, either... She wants to, I, I said, I, I wonder if she's going to run as a third party and just blow everything up. That's my concern. But you raised the question, which I think is a good one too. Has she just decided, screw it, I'm going to get rich now? I think I'm, so. I'm just going to get rich. And, and, you know, I'm not going to be president. Maybe it's not going to happen for me, but I'm just going to get filthy rich. I'm going to get in bed with all the corporate interest, uh, like we saw her do when she left the UN and just, you know, get worth 20, 30, 40 million dollars, like we see a lot of politicians do when they decide to give up electoral viability and just get rich. I kind of feel like she's making that choice. Well, well, this is the thing. She, by going really anti-Trump here at the very end, when I mean, she has to know, like the rational part of her brain must know, she's not going to win this primary. Um, she's not even going to win it in her home state, right? I mean, if she can't win and South not Carolina. Even not even win, Buck. She, she might lose by 20-plus, right? Yeah. I mean, it's it, like get your ass kicked in your home but, state. But the point here being, it's either... Trump loses the general and she's the non-Trump alternative going forward, or Trump loses the general 
and she's the darling of the donor class and gets rich. Yeah, you know, I, I, so I think we've figured out what the pathway is here. It's clearly not Nikki Haley is going to be the Republican nominee and president in 2025, or you know, become president in 2025. Uh, if we're wrong or you think we're wrong, light us up. 800-282-2882. We'll get into the the latest on Fonnie Willis stuff. At the uh, bottom here coming up. Um, and also want to want to tell you all that we've got uh, Tulsi Gabbard joining us later on today on the show in response to many of your emails, your VIP emails. So we'll discuss why that is uh, in a little bit. You ever feel tired on a Friday? I know I do. Not much left in the tank. I've got two words for you. Chad mode. It's a great product from our friends at Chalk, the company making best in class supplements with only all natural ingredients. Chad Mode is actually the best pre-work for, pre-workout formula I've ever used, honestly. I take it every day now that I go to work out, and some days when I'm just writing. First time I tried it for a workout, I stayed in the gym about twice as long, and uh, Carrie was like, where are you? And I was like, I'm just Chad Mode fired up, honey. I'm in the gym trying to get into beast mode. The great thing about Chad Mode is it gives me energy without jitters or crash. I love it. Clean ingredients. You can read what they are. You'll know what they are. There's no crap in Chad Mode. It's all good Real products you can read, you'll understand what they are, and they get the job done. Find Chad Mode online at chalk.com, spelled C-H-O-Q.com. Use my name, Buck, for a massive discount for the life of your Chad Mode subscription. Buy it today while you're thinking about it. Chalk.com, C-H-O-Q.com. Use my name, Buck, as your promo code. Sanity in an insane world. The Clay, Travis, and Buck Sexton Show. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. Stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. More Than a Movie is back with season two of the award-winning film podcast, and this time with a lot more movies. I'm your host, Alex Fumero, and each week I'm going to talk to the people behind some of my favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the OG spy kid, Alexa Penavega. You had Carlo Gugino, who's the coolest mom ever. You had Antonio, who's handsome, amazing, charismatic. And then Carmen and Juni. I felt like a lot of other kids felt like this could be me. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Every episode will feature interviews with the biggest actors, directors, writers, and producers behind your favorite films and tap into the history of Latinos in film. Listen to More Than a Movie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose Podcast. On Purpose is dedicated to helping you be happier, healthier, and more healed. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how he got comfortable with fear, navigating the changes in relationships, and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. This conversation shows a never-seen-before side to Orlando Bloom and his unique life journey. I think we all struggle sometimes to really deeply believe that we are enough. 
that we're valued, that we're valuable. You know, we're imprinted by our parents from the age of zero to seven, right? Mm. I'm constantly trying to go like, how do I detach from my, this idea of what, do, is, that, is that my baggage? It look like my baggage. I mean, I know, oh, okay, that's mine. Let's unpack that. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. We are joined by Tulsi Gabbard now. She's a former U.S. representative for Hawaii's 2nd Congressional District, former presidential candidate, lieutenant colonel in the United States Army Reserve. She's got a book coming out in April, For Love of Country, Leave the Democrat Party Behind. Tulsi, great to have you on the show. Hey, good afternoon. Good to talk to you guys. We have so much we want to go over with you, but can we start with, there seems to be in this audience, um, and I, I don't know if you'd be familiar with this until we tell you, but a a draft Tulsi as a Trump VP option caucus. I mean, there's a lot of people that write in and tell us this is what they want to hear about. Would you consider that Tulsi? Uh, I would. Thanks for sharing that with me, by the way. I wasn't aware, but uh, I, I, of course I would. Uh, my my interest and goal has always been trying to find the best place that I can serve our country and make a positive impact. We have so many challenges that we're facing right now. Uh, this this election is absolutely critical. And what I'm finding as I'm traveling across the country, uh, speaking to many of the points that I wrote about in my book about why I left the Democratic Party and how today's Democrat elite are doing their very best to destroy our democracy just so that they can hold on to power. And and I got to tell you, there's a lot of folks out there who feel politically homeless right now. Some of them may still technically be Democrats, but don't feel any connection to those in power in the Democratic Party. Some are independents and others. And they they I'm encouraging them to look at what is really happening in this country to reject uh, the, the Democrats. And I, and I, I hate to say it's just Joe Biden because as you both know very well, it's not. Someone asked me last night at CPAC, well, do you think they're going to replace Joe Biden? I said, I don't know. Maybe they will, but what difference will that really make? Whether it's Joe Biden or Kamala Harris or whoever else they may put forward, they all stand for the same policies that are destroying our democracy and undermining our freedom, undermining the rule of law, doing everything they possibly can simply to hold on to power, and that's a, that's a threat to us all. Tulsi, appreciate you coming on. Um, I don't know if you've heard the audio. We played it for our audience earlier, but the ladies on The View had a huge discussion about you, and they said, you're a Russian asset. Vladimir Putin has got control of you. I'm paraphrasing. When you hear people say that, and it's not just random people online. I mean, The View is distributed by ABC News. It has got, crazily to me, a substantial audience of viewers. What do you think? What is your response when you hear people say, like they did on The View, that you're a Russian asset? Oh, well, first of all, you know, they, they, they said all of those things about me when I ran for president in 2020, and it wasn't limited to The View, as you know. Uh, Hillary Clinton was one of the main propagators of that lie, and I actually took the View ladies to task on that, Joy Behar specifically, uh, when they invited me on the show and, and reminded all of them and their viewers about how much I love our country. Uh, I'm proud to wear the uniform 
of, of the cloth of this country. I'm proud to serve in the Army now for over 20 years. I've served in Congress for eight years on the arm, Armed Services and the Foreign Affairs Committees, trusted with some of the most classified information that we have. Uh, I'm willing to die for our country. And to my knowledge, not a single woman on The View has ever put their lives on the line for our country or perhaps even thought about it. Uh, so, so when I hear people, and they're not the only ones resorting to this, obviously we're hearing this now being drummed up again about Donald Trump. What I hear is they have nothing left but to play the Russian asset card because they know they can't win on the issues. They know they can't win in a fair argument or debate or any conversation of substance. And this is not just limited to Democrats. There's a woman on The View who I saw. She, she claims to be a normie Republican, whatever that means. Um, but she is parroting the very same line that these Democrats and Hillary Clinton are parroting. And these are the very same people who want to continue to take us into more counterproductive, unnecessary wars. They're not looking out for the American people. They're not looking out for our country. And they don't care about the Constitution. So I don't think we should pay much attention to them. Uh, Tulsi, last time I saw you, we talked a bit about the um, situation in Maui after the uh, horrible uh, wildfire that, that happened there and the tremendous loss of uh, property and life. Um, the Biden administration response and what's happened since then? How, how, how can you bring us up to speed on what the status is uh, in the aftermath of that tragedy, which was only a few months back? Yes, the aftermath is still being felt. Uh, there are no homes yet being rebuilt on the land that was destroyed by the wildfire. And I so appreciate you bringing this up back, Buck, because uh, the families who are displaced are still homeless. That's the bottom line. Some have been put up in hotels or Airbnbs, but they are still without a place that they can call home. Uh, FEMA and the Biden administration, uh, including a lot of the state and county government, their response is abysmal from the beginning. I would say probably some of it has improved in the sense that at least people aren't living in tents. They have a hard roof over their heads. But the fact that it's actually been uh, several months, August of last year was when this fire occurred. There, there is so much more that could have been done more quickly to help them uh, rather than leaving them in the way that they are still stranded so many months later. Uh, Pete Buttigieg was just out there in Hawaii this past week, and so he was asked a lot of questions by people locally about what they're doing within the Department of Transportation to help alleviate some of the situations they're facing on that side of the island on Maui. But much like we saw with Biden visiting East Palestine, Ohio, more than a year after their disaster, with the chemical spill that they felt in the aftershocks and the aftermath, they are still suffering. Um, you know, I, I just, uh, my heart goes out to them because they are not getting anywhere near the care and attention and advocacy and frankly, emotion uh, that we're hearing from the Biden administration about uh, the war in Ukraine. When And that was one of the first things, and I don't remember if I told you, Buck, when I saw you, but three days after the fire when I was there on Maui, that was some of the first things that the residents there told me was, hey, I wonder if we changed our name to Ukraine or Kiev, then maybe somebody would pay attention to us. Tulsi, you and I have, I think we're around the same age, and we have a similar political path where 
Uh, you were obviously a Democrat congresswoman. I voted Democrat in past elections. I've talked about this. Uh, and one reason I'm super optimistic is I do think there are enough open-minded people in America to recognize these awful choices that the Democrats are making now. When you travel the country, you got a book I know coming out in April. Do you meet a lot of people who tell you that they've had the same political evolution as you have? Because I do meet a lot of people when I go around the country. Buck's different. You know, at 15, he knew, he knew exactly what he thought and he stayed <laughs> consistent growing up in New York City. You know, he's truly a unicorn in some sense, but you and I are a little bit more similar in our political paths. I'm curious how much positive feedback and also people telling you that they have followed you. I think Elon Musk is a good example maybe of this as well. How many people do you meet who maybe have had the same political evolution as the two of us? You know, it's, it's, I'm glad you brought that up because it is almost every day, Clay. It's, it's whether it's people I'm meeting in person, I just got off a plane and, and met someone in the airport as I was waiting for my luggage, people sending me notes online or DMs on social media, uh, people who feel more emboldened to know that they are not alone in the way that they feel and that, you know, in my case, I'm using whatever platform I have to bring voice to these concerns and frustrations that a lot of them feel and have been feeling for quite some time. Some people, maybe for for generational or family legacy reasons, haven't taken that step yet to leave the Democratic Party. But in their hearts, they 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 can't vote for Joe Biden. They can't vote for the people who are 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 causing such harm uh, to our country in, in so many respects. You know, I talk to parents who who aren't politically involved, but they are feeling the hurt of you know, hey, I've got an eight year old little girl who's a, you know, wants to compete in gymnastics. Am I going to have to worry about her competing against a boy? Obviously, the, the 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 female athletes who are swimmers. I have friends who are surfers at the, at the highest levels who are afraid to speak out about the fact that the World Surf League has said that biological men can compete against them in the World Championship contests. And what does that mean for their livelihood and their future? There there are a lot of people who have been silent who have been politically disengaged who are now waking up and that's where our that's where I find hope and opportunity uh in this election especially given all that's at stake uh to to really encourage people if nothing else make sure you get out and cast your informed vote to stop this insanity just as we're here we get an email from one of our VIPs Mark gentlemen there's evidence that Trump may be giving serious consideration to Tulsi Gabbard for VP. <laughs> so this is this is an ongoing conversation among our uh, listeners on 500 stations. So Tulsi, uh, appreciate you being here with us. We'd love to have you come back and talk more about all these issues and also about this 2024 election cycle. Um, and when's the book coming that. out? The book comes out April 30th. We are encouraging folks, if you're interested, uh, pre-order now if you have a friend or a, a maybe a spouse or a son or daughter who is maybe one of those people we're talking about who doesn't quite know where they're at in this election and is maybe walking this journey themselves. Uh, buy the book for them. It's available on Amazon.com right now. It's called For Love of Country, Leave the Democrat Party Behind. Tulsi Gabbard, everybody. Tulsi, thanks again. Thank you both. Aloha. You know, the gift of life is very precious, whether you're six or 60, whether it's an unborn child or a great-grandmother. Life is precious. 
The team working at the Preborn Network of Clinics know how precious lives are. Each day, they visit with pregnant mothers who are making a decision between life and abortion. Preborn's team provides those mothers with an ultrasound that gives the mother a chance to meet her baby, to hear the heartbeat, and to see that unborn child's movements. The result is that more mothers choose life. On average, 200 babies' lives are saved each day. One ultrasound is just $28, or you can sponsor five ultrasounds for $140, which could help to rescue five babies' lives. And I'm very confident that right now, someone listening, someone out there would be able to sponsor Preborn's entire network across the country for a full day of ultrasounds with a $5,000, 100% tax-free gift. Think about 200 babies' lives possibly saved. Tax-deductible donation for a great cause, saving lives, bringing more life into this world. Please, whatever amount you can donate, whatever amount you can spare, join us today. Dial pound 250 and say the keyword baby. Again, to donate to the Preborn Network of Clinics to encourage mothers to have babies and give them life. Dial pound 250, say baby. Or if you want to donate online, go to preborn.com slash buck. That's preborn.com slash B-U-C-K, sponsored by Preborn. 24, a weekly podcast from Clay and Buck covering all things election. Episodes drop Sundays at noon Eastern. Find it on the free iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back into Clay and Buck. Lines open on this Friday, 800-282-2882. South Carolina GOP primary is tomorrow. Uh, you know, one way to really get the whole country fired up would be to say, on a by, I guess by the way, it's kind of a weird way to put this, but on a per capita basis, um, which city, when it comes to food, punches the most above its weight? Meaning, obviously Chicago, LA, New York have the most Michelin starred restaurants, the most variety, the most, but if you're going to adjust it for population size, I think Charleston is probably a top five Food I think Charleston would definitely be. I think no, immediately. I think Charleston and New Orleans are New both Orleans, in that yes. top five list. Yeah, I, Austin probably goes on that list for me too. Um, and then I'd have to start thinking pretty hard. Miami is not where it should be on that list. We need a little help in the in the uh, food department down here, Miami. Latin food, as you have experienced, ceviche, amazing. Yeah, but when you get out of what it does well, it's not really where it needs to be. So. DC actually, actually has. Oh, we were literally uh, saying it at wow. the exact same time. That's that's Look scary. At that. Yeah, we just had a mind melt. DC. Yeah. We don't like to say it because it is a communist enclave, but for a city of roughly half a, half a million people, has really excellent food for uh, for its love. Anyway, so we're thinking of South Carolina. Uh, obviously, it's lunchtime for us because we're getting hungry and talking about food. But we got a big story to talk to you about as well. So you can call us about South Carolina. There's this down in Georgia close neighbor of South Carolina, you have, I'm going to read you the Daily Mail headline, and then I'm going to let Clay, <laughs> Clay really, really enjoy really I love this story. story. Nathan Wade visited D.A. Fonnie Willis's Georgia neighborhood at least 35 times and stayed overnight before she hired him as special prosecutor, cell phone, data, Shows this is according to court records that have just been filed. So this is, you know, real presented to the court stuff. Um, 
this is, I can tell you from a, Clay, from a basics law enforcement 101 perspective, and this used to happen, we're doing, uh, counterterrorism investigations, the NYPD. People just don't think about how their cell phone, there are, there are two things that everyone, and I'm not giving away any secrets. If you watch any CSI, you already know this, right? Two things that every person leaves behind pretty much everywhere they are. Your cell signal, your DNA. You are shedding DNA in one form or another, unless, you know, you're wearing like a hazmat suit. And your cell phone, if it's on, is pinging and leaving a signature for you. What is one of the easiest ways to see if someone's lying about where they were or what they're doing? Forget about the DNA thing for a second. All you do is pull their cell records. Fonnie Willis says, Clay, they didn't have a relationship before she hired him. I think the uh, cell phone records could be a problem for her now. She and Nathan Wade, big picture, they're going to get criminally charged because I think now they have clearly committed perjury. I think they're going to get disbarred. Um, and they may both end up facing severe criminal charges. Wait, hold on. You think criminal, ch- I'm, I'm with yeah. you on getting taken off the trial, which I, you skipped that one, but I assume that's a yes. given. Yes. So they're going to take it off the trial. Sanctions, professional sanctions, I could see. Maybe she even, I, I could see her getting fired from her DA job over this. Yes. Criminal charges? I think though? there'll be criminal charges. I think there will. Uh, because I watched that testimony. I want to hit you with a couple of stats here. Uh, according to the cell phone data, Nathan Wade made at least 35 visits to Fannie Willis's condo before they said the relationship started. Now, you can get into a definition of what is a relationship, right, which is going to be their defense now. Listen to this, Buck. 2,000 telephone calls, 12,000 texts, 2,000 telephone calls. Fannie Willis testified under oath that they would talk maybe once a week on the phone. I don't remember her talking about text messages, but... 2,000 telephone calls uh, in 2021? Think about that. 12,000 texts? I, I mean, do you think that you... Have, I don't know if I've, I've texted my wife 12,000 times That's what since, I was we got, since we met and since we got married. I don't know. I mean, I, I'm not sure I've called my wife 2,000 times in the last three or four years. I would be stunned if... I mean, that that's an average buck of four times a day. Laura strikes me as more of a text me, don't voice me person. Am I right about that? She doesn't even answer the phone when I call. Uh, here's a couple of, uh, here's a, and by the way, not just me, Laura, like our kids will immediately, they just call. I, I, I text or answer almost all day long every day. Do you have, do you have the, do you have the, uh, please for a faster response text, don't leave a voicemail, voicemail on your phone? I've come across a lot of those. I get, because I'll tell you what, when people leave me voicemails, I'm like, oh, now I gotta go listen to this. You could have sent me a three, you know, line text. Here's something else, Buck. Our friend Megan Kelly, uh, shared this, but this is from Phil Holloway. Specific detail. November 29th, 2021. Mr. Wade's phone was pinging on the East Cobb Towers near his residence. Following a call from Miss Willis at 11.32 p.m., uh, he left, drove to her house, and then uh, stayed from 12.43 till 4.55 a.m. So your arguments of, hey, maybe we did talk more than I thought, but it was just work-related, let me ask anybody out there, unless you work overnight shifts, 
Have you ever been to a platonic friend's house at 12.43 a.m. and left at 4.55 a.m.? Is there anyone out there who is married that if your significant other you found out went to someone else's house from 12.43 a.m. to 4.55 a.m.? I mean, this only makes sense if your business is... That's an easy explanation uh, for that. That's That's totally just a friendship. If you're Tony Soprano and there's a body you gotta move, you know, that, uh, short of that, I don't really see how you're doing business from midnight to 4 a.m. And why, and people say, okay, why is this significant? All of this happened before she hired Nathan Wade. She claimed that they had no relationship other than a professional relationship before she hired Nathan Wade under oath. This is now filed in court and it is pretty clear evidence that they had something more going on, Buck, than just a platonic occasional friendship. She said they just talked maybe once a week. So we know she was, she's lying. Okay. Yes. We all know. And now we've dead, known dead to rights. Long. Dead to rights. Yeah. Now, now, right. now it's beyond a reasonable doubt if there ever really was a reasonable doubt about this, but she's lying. My question though, and maybe it's because, you know, Carrie and I are watching the wire together. Yeah. Which I had watched before. We are going back and forth now between season three of The Crown and season one of The Wire. This is our our show that we watch as a couple. Very different shows. Yes. <laughs> very, yes. You're, go, you're dealing with very different worlds. Everyone who has seen The Wire remembers there was, I think it's a city councilman, right, politician who's caught doing corrupt, illegal stuff. And he basically just gets up, gives a speech, and says, I've done a lot for the people of Baltimore. This is racist. Uh, You know, the charges and, like, even though I did this, you can't convict me, and it works. Yeah. Do you think Fonnie Willis is, this is because I'm a black woman that I'm being targeted in this way, does that carry enough weight that she's able to evade any real accountability, or do you think that the scrutiny is too high and that that move isn't going to isn't gonna make it this time? Well, I, I think that move works in uh, The Wire, which is, I mean, by the way, just kind of an accurate representation sometimes of what goes on in inner city politics and inner city life in general. The problem for uh, Fannie Willis is that might work in Fulton County. It's not going to work in Georgia proper. Um, and that's because basically she's in a blue city in a red state. Now I know, I know they've got double senators that are Democrats because we all screwed that up. And, uh, but you've got Brian Kemp who won by seven and a half or eight points. You've got a Republican legislature, legislature, um, that is going to, I, I think come after her. Uh, so. No, I don't think it's going to work. I think this might work in New York City because you have blue on blue, so you got the protection of the state government layered on the protection of the city government. She doesn't have that luxury in the state of Georgia. Um, the judge, if he's worth his salt at all, with this filing, should go to her behind the scenes. This is what I would suggest. And say, I'm going to have to issue a ruling knocking you off this case. You should resign as the DA now and just take this out of the legal process and make this a you decision that might provide some protection. Nathan Wade is done. They're going to have to find a new DA. If I am Brian Kemp, governor of Georgia, or Brian Kemp's advisors, then I think you have to bring criminal charges against Fannie Willis now because... Again, Buck, this is why people don't get on the witness stand. And you talked about the arrogance and the condescension with which Fannie Willis addressed everybody. 
It was amazing. She let her pride, <laughs> she let her pride overrule her uh, intellect from a legal perspective. Because now she is under oath telling all sorts of lies which can be refuted. And some of this stuff you're going to get into a Bill Clinton defi- definition. She's going to be like, well, what is the definition of a relationship? Uh, but when you have this many text messages and when you have this many phone calls, she directly contravened that in her testimony. It's impossible for somebody who's reasonable to say, hey, if, if, if you said to me, how often do you and Clay talk on the phone in a year? And I was like, I don't know. We talked. I don't, but 28 times is a guess, 42, whatever. You might say, okay, that makes sense. And then if the data came out and it was like 51 or 23, you'd be like, yeah, that's somewhat reasonable. If the data comes out that we talked 12,000 times and I said we talked 45 or 50 times, there isn't a way to claim that you were being honest on the witness stand. And that is where we are just based on simple questions about contact and text messages. And Buck, here's a question for you as we go to break. Think about it. Did the attorneys questioning her already have all this cell phone data? Yes. And know that they were setting her up for yes. huge perjury traps. Sorry, I shouldn't have jumped right in here, but this is, but, this is what law, law, that's yeah. what I said. Look for the lies. What law enforcement does. They sit down and they say, they'll ask you about something completely unrelated to the case at hand. But hey, it's effectively the, where were, where, where you know, were you, we want to clear you from this other thing that you have nothing to do with. So, you know, were you in Queens or the Bronx last night? You lie to them. They know there's a problem. And then they can hone in on the actual case they're looking at. So they have proven, as we go to break here, we'll take some of your calls. You may have questions about this, but I, I'm surprised. I, I don't have my phone and television on. Is Fox News even on this yet? Have they been covering? Because when, I, when um, I sat down, they had not covered it yet. No, they're on the mi- Migrants is the main page right now. I'll keep an eye on it, though. I'm stunned that this is not the number one story. Frankly, I understand if CNN and MSNBC are trying to hide it. But this is a blockbuster of all blockbusters in the Trump legal process. And Atlanta, we told you, was done. But now I think Atlanta is going to lead to criminal charges. And can you imagine, Buck, the irony? Remember how famous that Trump mugshot is? How about Fannie Willis and Nathan Wade are going to have to get their own mugshots at some point? Oh, man, how this changes. You're a sports fan, fantasy sports person in particular. Price Pick app is one you want to download if you haven't already. You can get a 100 bucks. Just for downloading this, if you put a hundred bucks down, it is absolutely fantastic. I'm going to play prize picks this weekend. I'm even going to tell you a little bit later in the show some of my prize picks picks because I think it's going to be so much fun as we come up on March Madness. There is every sport basically that you can think about. I know the NFL is over. I know college football is over, but we are right now in the midst of College basketball, figuring out where everybody is going to be set uh, as we get ready for what should be an absolutely incredible March Madness. Buck is even going to fill out a bracket. I want all of you to have $100 in your account. Double your money right off the top. If you deposit $100, PrizePix will give you 100 bucks. Go to prizepix.com. Use the code CLAY. That's prizepix.com. Use my name, CLAY. And when you deposit, you get 100 bucks. And we're going to give you some picks a little bit later in the show. PrizePicks.com. My name, Clay. Do it now. 
The Clay and Buck Podcast Deep Dives with cool content, surprise guests. Get it all on the iHeart app or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. Stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. More Than a Movie is back with season two of the award-winning film podcast and this time with a lot more movies. I'm your host, Alex Fumero, and each week I'm going to talk to the people behind some of my favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the OG spy kid, Alexa Penavega. You had Carlo Gugino, who's the coolest mom ever. You had Antonio, who's handsome, amazing, charismatic. And then Carmen and Juni. I felt like a lot of other kids felt like this could be me. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Every episode will feature interviews with the biggest actors, directors, writers, and producers behind your favorite films and tap into the history of Latinos in film. Listen to More Than a Movie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose Podcast. On Purpose is dedicated to helping you be happier, healthier, and more healed. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how he got comfortable with fear, navigating the changes in relationships, and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. This conversation shows a never-seen-before side to Orlando Bloom and his unique life journey. I think we all struggle sometimes to really deeply believe that we are enough that we're valued, that we're valuable. You know, we're imprinted by our parents from the age of zero to seven, right? Mm. I'm constantly trying to go like, how do I detach from my, this idea of what, do, is, that, is that my baggage? I look like my baggage. I mean, I know, oh, okay, that's mine. Let's unpack that. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back in, Clay Travis, Buck Sexton Show. Appreciate all of you hanging out with us. We are joined now by Dr. Phil, who has a new book out that is sweeping the country, and uh, you guys will enjoy it. Uh, it. Let me make sure I get this right. Uh, we've got issues, how you can stand strong for America's soul insanity. Uh, you live in Dallas, and I said earlier, we're number one in every Texas major city, except Dallas, where we're not on. We should be two adult sons, four grandchildren, um, and Dr. Phil Primetime will launch on April 2nd. You probably did not expect this question right out of the gate, Dr. Phil, but we were just talking about it. You're an expert on all things. Joe Biden said the secret to his marriage is good sex. Your reaction. Oh, I'm very visual, so you needed to give me a trigger warning. <laughs> uh, I mean, so uh, like you have spent a lot of time, and I know doctor in so many different realms, but did you ever believe that we would have a president where 
it's hard to even feel comfortable with him standing in front of the country and reading off of a teleprompter because you don't know where it's going to go. How did we get here? You know, it's it's really concerning, actually. And you know, part of the part of the thing that I think about, and maybe people could care less about this, but I, I don't blame uh, President Biden for having the issues that come with aging. That's not his fault. I, I, I'm concerned about all the people that are pushing him out there. It, I mean, the, the, the guy can't help it. It's not his fault. We all get there at some point, right? Um, I'm just not. I'm just not sure that uh, there's compatibility between that stage of life and the challenges that uh, are being chosen for him. I, I'm sure I'll get there at some point, and hopefully, somebody will say, "You need to go over there and sit down." Uh, yeah, we no think doubt. so, and and we would also think, and uh, Dr. Phillips Buck, thanks for being here, um, that his wife would be the one who would step in. We've talked about that many times, but I think she's convinced herself that no matter how deteriorated Joe is in his faculties and ability, he serves the country best by continuing to just be the non-Trump option. Um, I want to ask about your book. Uh, we've got issues. I've got a copy of it here. If you're watching on the stream, I'm holding it up. We've got issues. How... You can stand strong for America's soul and sanity. I mean, we talk about the issues a lot, I think, but what are the top issues as you see it, as you get into in your uh, your latest book here? You know, if my belief is this. I'm not a political guy. Like when I was talking and answering your question in the beginning, I'm talking about the individual and uh, what he's facing as a as a human being. Uh, and when in this book, I don't talk about political things. I talk about cultural things, society things. And I think every society, the backbone is the family unit. It, and I think right now, family in America is under attack. Now, some of it's unintended consequences of like technology or whatever. Some of it is by design. But I think if any society is going to be strong and succeed, Family has to be strong and succeed. And right now, families are under attack. And and what we have to do is say, I, I set forth ten principles for a healthy society in this book. And number one is be who you are on purpose. Live with intention. Be who you are on purpose. And I, I think that, that boils right down to the family. You can't let somebody... Change the narrative of your family and of your community and of our country. You can't decide you're going to forget about history. You're going to forget about science. You're going to forget about biology. You're going to forget about facts. You can't do that. And for the first time in our country's history, uh, I, I think that we truly are under attack from within. I, I, I think we've got enough to deal with. Uh, with our enemies outside, we don't need to be attacking each other, and that's what's happening. You talked about the change in narrative, and we're talking to Dr. Phil right now. I encourage you to go check out his new book. One of the biggest changes in narrative that I see is the idea that you could be a man and identify as a woman and compete in women's athletics, and also the idea that it's unacceptable to challenge a 12 or 13 year old kid who suddenly says, Hey, I feel uncomfortable in my body. Maybe I'm a different gender. 
that there are states that will say, as a parent, you shouldn't be able to do that. I've got, Dr. Phil, a 16, a 13, and a 9-year-old. I've got three boys. My wife is really fired up about this. I mean, we don't let those kids still at their age pick every meal that they're going to eat because my 13-year-old would eat pizza and ice cream still for every meal if he could. How do we get to a place where uh, a man can pretend to be a woman, a woman and win a women's championship and also, and I see this as completely non-political, also where people under the age of 18 are able to have life-altering surgeries that keep them from ever being able to have children. As a doctor, what do you think of that? Well, look, the American Medical Association, the American Academy of Pediatrics, the American Endocrine Society, uh, American Psychological Association, the American Psychiatric Association have all signed off on gender-affirming care. I think history is going to be unkind to these organizations and those decisions. Now, Look, if if we're talking about medical treatment and procedures, I'm not a physician, so take what I say with a grain of salt. I'm not a physician, but I can read and I can look at the research and I have common sense. And what you just said is right. Children, the last part of the brain to grow is the neocortex. This I do know about. And you cannot allow children to make that decision. And if parents are allowing children to make that decision, then they need to revisit this because it's not – in the, ch- in the child's best interest. You know, the Hippocratic Oath is first to do no harm. And there simply is not enough research that this kind of intervention does no harm. In fact, the European countries, uh, you know, Sweden, Norway, these different countries have done the research and stopped providing this kind of intervention. They've done research where they did this sort of intervention And they also had a group where they did psychotherapy without surgery, without hormone suppression, without testosterone blockers. And in the end, there was no difference in relieving the comorbidities and stopping depression, anxiety, suicidality. So they said, you absolutely don't need to do these irreversible procedures uh, in order to help these children that are in pain right now. So there's no reason that you should be doing these things. I don't support that. And I've, I've had experts on, uh, Dr. Carol Hooven from Harvard University came on and, and talked about a meta-analysis of 50-plus studies that said there is no way you can use testosterone blockers or whatever to level the playing field between a transgender uh, female and a biological female. You can never level the playing field and she was drummed out of Harvard, labeled as a hater and transphobic. And they will label me as a, they've already labeled me as a hater and transphobic, and we'll do so again because of what I'm telling you right now. But that's Dr. too Phil, bad. The facts are what they are. Dr. Phil's book is We've Got Issues, How You Can Stand Strong for America's Soul and Sanity. And uh, Dr. Phil Primetime launches April 2nd. Dr. Phil, what can you tell us about the show? Well, we're launching an entire network, Merritt Street Media, April 2nd, and uh, we're going to have four hours of news. We're going to have uh, 24-7 programming. My show will be uh, the anchor in prime time. Uh, we've got a lot of others that are coming on board with us as well. Nancy Grace, Bear Grylls, Mike Rowe, uh, some we can't announce just yet, but some big names that are coming on with us. And 
The idea is to create a destination network that you can turn on in the morning and leave on all day long and not worry that your kids are going to see something that's going to brainwash them or distort their thinking. I want to be the debate lane in America where both sides of any issue can come on and discuss it intelligently, have a, a, a civil discourse, and people can make up their own minds. The news is going to be fact-based. Make up your own mind. You think it's a good deal, bad deal, good news, bad news? I, 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 we're insulting America by not letting them make up their own mind. You don't need spin, spin, spin. Uh, and the blueprint for that network is, is in the book, We've Got Issues. And I designed it that way. That's what it's all going to be about. And I really hope people will pick it up and read it. I think they need to. We need to wake up. Last question for you, Dr. Phil. You raised two boys. I'm raising three boys. We've had a lot of discussion on this show about manhood being under attack and men in general not living up to their fatherhood obligations. You talked about the family being under attack. What do men need to do better based on your education as you see the way society is evolving? Uh, what are we failing at, and what do men need to do better in your mind to raise the next generation of boys into men? Well, I, I think it's parents in general. You know, right now in college, we talk about toxic masculinity, and there is toxic masculinity. I mean, seriously, there are some guys that just they are misogynistic. They go too far. Uh, they get into abuse, control, that sort of thing. Nobody wants that. What they're teaching in college too often now is that masculinity is toxic. That It's one thing to say there is toxic masculinity. It's another thing to say that masculinity is toxic. That's not true. They're teaching that you, you shouldn't be uh, masculine. They're, they're, they're teaching these things that say, look, we should have a quality of outcome independent of input, and that if you're ambitious, if you're hardworking, if you're trying to get out there and be entre entrepreneurial and get ahead, that that's in some way gauche. You shouldn't do that. That's, that is not true. They should not be teaching that. They're not preparing those students for the real world. And I, 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 that's what I'm saying. I want people to hear this, be alert to it, and make sure that somebody's not programming their children. There's research out now that says one exposure to one woke course can change a, a, a an individual young man's view of the world, and you can wind up getting out there in the dog-eat-dog -dog world and get eaten alive. We need to prepare young people, men in particular, uh, for the next level of life. Dr. Phil McGraw, We've Got Issues is his book, and get excited for that network that they're launching here in April. Dr. Phil Please come back again soon. Really enjoyed talking to you. Well, thank you for having me on. And people can order this book on Amazon today, and it'll be at their house Tuesday morning. Absolutely. Awesome. Fantastic. Good luck to you, sir. You Thanks, know, if you have guys. valuables in your home like gold or really important documents, family heirlooms, yes, firearms, you need a safe to protect them. You just need to have one. More than 2 million Americans have chosen Liberty Safe for this once-in-a-lifetime purchase. I'm one of them. I have a Liberty Safe here in my home. An American-made Liberty Safe fits anywhere with more than 30 models, two dozen colors, and thousands of custom options to help create the perfect safe for you. Liberty Safes are guaranteed for life, and if yours is ever damaged in an attempted break-in or fire, your Liberty Safe will be replaced free. I mean, this is the best warranty you can get. And your privacy is built right into every Liberty Safe with industry-leading privacy protections. Shop LibertySafe.com slash radio 
for a customized Fortress Strong Liberty Safe. Use code RADIO for a 10% discount for supporting Liberty Safes made in America by Americans. You'll also get a free $60 value locking gun vault with your Liberty Safe purchase reserved for members of this audience. Use coupon code RADIO at libertysafe.com slash radio. The best way to get set up right now, libertysafe.com slash radio, code radio for 10% off. Want more Clay and Buck that you didn't hear on the show? Get podcast extras in the Clay and Buck podcast feed. Find it on the iHeart app or wherever you get your podcasts. More Than a Movie is back with season two. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's, Rappaport's Reality, Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. Stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening.